once again, everybody, thank you for joining me in the betters boxes, ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Monday, June 7th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Make sure you check out my daily article over at ATS.io. Only three games on the card for today. Found a play out of those three games, but talked about them, talked about some of the stuff I'm going to discuss on the podcast here as well. A lot of good information in that daily article seven days a week over at ATS.io. So make sure that you check that out. Also, make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database. Uh, You can read articles from the website, full article integration in that app. And of course, that's where my picks are exclusively tracked for that daily article under my name, Skating Tripods. So make sure you download that ATS app today. Lots of other good stuff going on over at the website WNBA picks and predictions, NHL, NBA playoff picks and predictions, golf preview coming for the Palmetto Championship here this week at Congaree Golf Club. We'll be talking about the U.S. Open next week. A lot of stuff going on across all of the sports betting markets that are out there. We cover UFC. We cover NASCAR. We'll be doing more with the NFL and college football as those seasons get closer to rolling around. So plenty of things to check out over at ATS.io. And I highly encourage you to do that. And coming up tomorrow on ATS Radio, we'll talk once again with Brian Blessing. We'll chat some NHL playoffs. We'll talk some golf with that Palmetto Championship. Lots of good stuff going on with Brian. And you can check out his videos over on our ATS YouTube page as well. And I'll be posting his NFC division previews here uh, for the upcoming season later on today over at our ATS YouTube page. As far as the format for today's show goes, we'll go beyond the box score, go down the lines, recap line moves from the weekend, give you a pick for tonight's action, and then preview five series here for the week ahead. So let's go ahead and start with a look beyond the box score. And I'm going to talk a lot about this topic here on today's show because it's very, very important. And that is what's happening around Major League Baseball with a crackdown, allegedly, on those illegal substances that pitchers put on the baseball. It's a very important thing to look at for a variety of different reasons here because, look, there is so much of an impact that these substances have. They help with control. They help with command. They help with spin rate. There are a lot of reasons why pitchers put a substance on the baseball and a lot of reasons why hitters really haven't said anything about it. It's because they know that their teammates are doing the exact same things. So offense is down substantially here in major league baseball across the board and it really has been over the last few seasons here and what we kind of look at is that basically around 2019 i would say widespread usage of these banned substances became a thing across major league baseball and you can see that by looking at the spin rate increases which have kept going sort of in a you know, gradual trend over the stat cast era, which goes back to 2015. And keep in mind too, that the harder you throw, the more spin rate there's going to be. So as velocity has increased, the spin rate has increased as well. And with both of those things working in tandem, offense has dropped off considerably. And this is something that I knew about, but something that, look, if hitters didn't care, I wasn't going to care. I was just going to operate under the conditions that Major League Baseball provides. But now, as offense is very, very low here for this season, now owners and and the commissioner want to crack down on it. So, last week, I believe on Wednesday or Thursday, a memo was passed around 
to the Major League Baseball teams, kind of talking about this idea that we're going to crack down on the use of these illegal substances. These are banned, and this is something that's been largely out in the open. It's not a big secret or anything like that, but it wasn't policed because managers and teams didn't want it policed because they knew that it would impact their own pitchers, maybe not to the same degree that it impacts their hitters, but simply that you know they didn't want to put anybody on blast, didn't want to put anybody out there, anything like that. And the fact of the matter is that Trevor Bauer really started this discussion a few years ago. And in fact, back in 2018, at a game I was at, by the way, and you couldn't see this from where you were, but after the game, you could see it. In the first inning, Bauer used one of the illegal substances for his pitching in that first inning. And what we saw was that his spin rates on his fastball dramatically increased. So for the second inning, he washed it off and his spin rates went back down to where they were. So he basically, in the middle of a game, performed an experiment in part because he wanted to expose the Houston Astros because the thought was that the Astros were the most egregious team in terms of using these banned substances. But the numbers were out there. The data was out there. All of these different places that you know promote pitching and look for ways to increase spin efficiency and all of that, they've all back-tested these banned substances. And they've looked at them with things like TrackMan, with things like Rapsodo, Edgertronic, all these different types of high-speed cameras to get real-time data, real-time returns based on using different substances. So this happens, and it has always happened, a combination of rosin and sunscreen and all these different types of things. But now pitchers have gotten a lot more creative with it, and they're using even stickier substances to get more spin on the baseball. And why does it matter? Why is spin rate such an important thing? And the biggest reason is because spin rate has a major impact on the movement of the pitches. They will move more and they will move later on the way to the plate. And when you sit there and you think about the reaction time it takes for a hitter to make contact, let alone pick up on the spin, pick up on the pitch type and all of that. Well, that makes it extremely difficult to hit. And there was a great SI article. There's been a lot of great content written about this whole spin rate discussion. But there was a great SI article that came out, I believe on Friday, uh, that you know really took a look at the league-wide impact of this sticky substance discussion. And Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies, and of course for Blackman too, and, and you think about what happens with Colorado, where at home pitches don't really move a whole lot. On the road, they move a ton. So these guys go from you know, maybe these substances getting to an average spin rate to going on the road and all of a sudden things are dramatically different for them. Probably a big reason why Colorado has been so awful on the road offensively this season. This spin rate thing, these banned substances, a big part of it. But here's what Blackman said in that SI article. He says, and this is a quote direct from the article, I have to go out there and if my eyes tell me it's in one place, I have to swing to a different place which is hard to do. It's hard to swing and try to miss the ball. But there's some guys where you have to do it because their ball and the spin rate or whatever is defying every pitch that you've seen come in over the course of your career. He goes on to say, I basically have to not trust my eyes that the pitch is going to finish where I think it's going to finish and swing in a different place 
because the ball is doing something it has no business doing. So that's Charlie Blackman, a pretty good hitter overall. And he does have the home road splits like most guys coming out of Colorado. But the spin rate thing is very important because as he said, you basically have to guess where the pitch is going to finish as opposed to where you expect it to finish. And so it's one of those things that hitters have had a really significant problem adjusting to. And when you think about hitting, what can you do? You know, maybe you change your swing plane. You know, you change your bat path. Maybe you change something in your load. Or maybe you move up in the box. Maybe you move back in the box. Something like that. But realistically speaking, as a hitter, there aren't many things that you can do to make adjustments. As a pitcher now, you're increasing velocity. You're increasing spin. You're changing grips. There are so many different things that pitchers can do that hitters really can't do. You know, there's some things about hitters kind of putting pine tar on the bat, kind of having pine tar go a little bit further down the bat because if the ball stays a couple milliseconds longer, you can get more carry, you can get more backspin off the bat, stuff like that. That's largely it. There's really not a whole lot that hitters can do to make adjustments. So apparently this has reached a breaking point here in Major League Baseball. And the biggest breaking point overall is that fastballs have become more difficult to hit. Now, breaking balls have always broken. You know, they've always had movement. They've always kind of done things that maybe hitters don't expect. Maybe they break more. Guys snap one off that's a little bit nastier. You've got kind of the get-me-over breaking ball versus the out pitch, stuff like that. But the impact on fastballs is what has been the most significant. And I've always laughed at commentators that talk about guys being a good fastball hitter. You know, that guy's a good fastball hitter. Well, you damn well better know how to hit a fastball if you're going to be a major leaguer. But now, with increased velocity and also these increased spin rates, it's becoming much more difficult to hit fastballs. And when you think about a fastball, over 50% of pitches, even still in Major League Baseball, are fastballs, either four-seam sinkers, two-seam, probably up in the 55-60% range if you include all the buckets of fastballs. But I'm going to look exclusively here at four-seam fastballs. Look at this. The spin rate, the average spin rate in the StatCast era. 23, or 2015, the average spin rate in RPM, 2238. 2016, 2259. 2017, 2266. 2018, also 2266. 2019, 2288. 2020, 2307. Now in 2021, 2317. So the average RPM, the average spin rate of a fastball, 2317, 2317 RPM. That's up almost 100 from 2015 and up over 50 RPM from 2018. And when you look at four-seam batting average here in the StatCast era, 269 in 2015, 272 in 2016, 267 in 2017, 261, 2018, 267, 2019, 259 in 2020, and 250 in 2021. So increased spin rate, increased velocity. Then, of course, you take into account all the improved defensive metrics and what they've done to the baseball. It is harder than ever before 
to hit a fastball. And fastballs are supposed to be the pitches that guys can hit. So offense is down for a variety of different reasons here, but the increase in spin rate is very much one of them. And in particular, the increase in spin rate on fastballs. Because one of the things that you've heard talked about a lot here, or at least I've seen a lot with a lot of the different metric sites and stuff that are out there, is that fastballs don't actually rise. You know, just simply because of gravity, the ball gets pushed down. So fastballs don't rise. But this increase in spin rate is giving this illusion that the fastball is rising. And furthermore, more and more pitchers are pitching up in the zone with these high spin rate fastballs and increased velocity. And there's just not much that hitters can do. So how much does this matter? How much does fastball spin rate actually matter? Well, as I said, league average, 2,317 RPM. So if we look at batting average, slugging percentage, and WOBA on fastballs at or below 2,317 RPM, 256 batting average, 424 slugging percentage, 329 WOBA. So league average or below fastballs in terms of spin rate, 256 average, 424 slugging, 329 WOBA. Now on fastballs at or above 2,317 RPM, 215 batting average, 364 slugging, 288 WOBA. So above average, 215 average, Below average or at average, 256. So we're talking about a really big difference here in batting average, an 80-point difference in slugging percentage, and a 41-point difference in weighted on base average. Just if you're below or above the league average, basically, in fastball spin rate. And if we talk about guys that are elite, guys that have elite spin rates on their fastball, and for that, I'm going to say greater than or equal to 2,500 RPM, 200 batting average, 333 slugging, a 266 WOBA. So if we talk about guys that are well below average, which I'm calling 2,200 or lower, 258 average, 421 slugging, 327 WOBA. So it makes a significant difference depending on your spin rate. And I will say that, you know, there is some bias here in these numbers because The guys that have elite fastball spin rates are typically going to be the elite pitchers, the guys that just are really good overall. But the fact of the matter is that spin rate really does matter quite significantly when we talk about fastballs, when we talk about performance on fastballs. And something I think is really interesting to kind of compare here is that sliders in the StatCast era, 2016, we had an average of 2291 RPM, 2021, It's 2458. So we've seen an increase of almost 150 RPM on average from 2016 to 2021. When you look at offensive performance, though, in terms of batting average, slugging percentage, and weighted on base average, it's a very small range on sliders. Very small range. The highest slugging was 379. That was in 2019, where the baseball was like it was, it was juiced. It was a juiced baseball. In 2019, 2021 is at 347 for slugging. That's the second lowest in the stat cast sample size. 267 Woba is tied for the third lowest. But overall, we don't have a big range here. Batting average goes from 202 this year to 216 
in the StatCast range on sliders. And of course, that's just largely due in part to the higher strikeout rate for this season and last season as well. So the increase in slider spin rate really hasn't done a whole lot to curtail offense. The increase in fastball spin rate absolutely has. So yeah, substances do impact curveballs and sliders and all of that. But the biggest difference is offensive performance on fastballs. So what we should see here as we go forward, as we start looking at some betting impacts here, hitters will have more of a chance on fastballs now. So pitchers that throw a lot of fastballs, guys that have maybe had some questionable spin rate increases over the years here, those guys probably will be the most impacted. When you look at teams by average spin rate on four-seam fastballs this year, Dodgers are number one, 25-65. Their average RPM on fastballs, 2,565 RPM. The White Sox are second at 24-29. Yankees third, 24-11. Pirates fourth, 23-82. Diamondbacks fifth, 23-74. The bottom five here, the Mariners 22-36. The Braves 22-44. A's 22-45. Giants 22-48. Twins 22-54. I was very surprised actually to see the Braves and the Giants in the bottom five in fastball spin rate. We've seen a lot of spin rate increases with those teams, uh, with their individual pitchers, but apparently not in the fastball department. So maybe some more sustainability to those teams than I originally thought. But again, the primary takeaway here from all of this is that pitchers will now have to pitch differently. And we saw this with Trevor Bauer in his start on Sunday, where his four-seam fastball spin rate was down significantly. It was down a lot. But what we also saw from Bauer is that he threw his fastball less often. So he wound up with the four walks, kind of had some command and control issues and all of that. But fastball spin rate is what we're really looking at here because sliders, changeups, so on and so forth have all been tough to hit anyway. It's been the lack of offensive production on fastballs that has really led to this decrease across the league. So what we're probably going to see here as we go forward Guys that have had the big spin rate increases, they'll just throw fewer fastballs and hope that you know their other stuff, their secondary stuff, will get them by. What that could lead to is potentially an increase in walks. I do think we get an increase in power, as we have seen here so far, and as I'll talk about here in a couple of minutes. But it's very tough, very tough right now to try and navigate and handicap this MLB environment Because this is a big deal. There are people out there that will tell you that this sticky substance thing is more impactful than the steroid era. And we'll have to see what happens with the data as we go forward here. But with the data set that we've got so far, we have seen over the StatCast era that increased spin rates will lower offensive production and specifically will lower offensive production on fastballs. So just to throw out a few names here of some guys I think I would keep a very close eye on, obviously Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, two guys at the forefront. And we talk about Bauer from 2019, just looking at baseball savant, sample size of at least 250 plate appearances, Trevor Bauer's spin rate on fastballs was 2457 RPM. That was 29th in baseball. In 2020, 2817, he was first. And in 2021, 2841, also first. 
So Bauer is a guy who's seen a substantial spin rate increase over the last couple of years relative to 2019. Another one here is Hugh Darvish. 2,533 in 2019, that was eighth of guys with at least 250 plate appearances against. 2020, he was second, and he's second this year as well. 2,698 and 2,687. So an increase of about 160 RPM on the spin rate for Darvish over the last two seasons. Maybe that's a guy that we want to keep a close eye on here. Dylan Cease went from 2,445 in 2019 to 2,521 in 2020, and now 2611 in 2021. And this year he has a new pitching coach in Ethan Katz. And maybe that's led to a second increase in spin rate. But Dylan Cease, a guy that had major command and control issues, now all of a sudden doesn't really have either one of those. Eh, maybe there's something kind of shady going on. Don't want to be accusatory. There are ways to organically increase spin rate. But when you see an increase like that of, you know, 175 RPM over two years, you kind of wonder what's going on there a little bit. Brandon Woodruff, he went up almost 200 RPM on the fastball from 2019 to 2020, really took off in 2020. Tyler Mayle, 2193 RPM was his average fastball spin rate in 2019. Now 2389 in 2020 and 2461 in 2021. So these are all guys that have had significant leaps and they're guys that are all good pitchers, very good pitchers for the most part. But you wonder now what will happen as we go forward here. So a few things to note. One, not every pitcher with a high spin rate is cheating. Some guys just have the gift or some guys have found ways to increase it naturally. We don't know. The fact of the matter is that we don't know. If there's a situation like Trevor Bauer, like Garrett Cole, where all of a sudden we're talking about a 250 or 300 RPM increase over a certain period of time, yeah, that's probably not 100% on the up and up. Some guys, maybe they've just increased it naturally. Maybe they've done that work to try and find things on the high-speed cameras and all of that. We don't necessarily know. Two, not every big spin rate increase is due to a substance. There are ways to figure it out. The huge spin rate increases probably are from substances, and that would be most of them. But there are guys that maybe just changed a grip, maybe just found a different arm slot, maybe found a different way to come around the baseball, something like that. There are ways to increase spin rate organically. It's not easy to do. And to do it to the degree that some of these pitchers have jumped probably is impossible. But not every big spin rate increase is due to a substance. A lot of them probably are, but not all of them. Third, I've mostly focused on elite guys or guys with elite spin rates. But when you think about the players that are probably going to be most impacted by this, think about the guys that are going from, you know, a 2200 spin rate, right? 2200 spin rate on fastballs. Batters are hitting 258 with a 421 slugging, right? What if they just get up to league average? You know, what if they go from 2200 to 2350 or something like that? Going from a below average spin rate to a league average spin rate is huge. And I think that will be the group of guys most impacted by this. I think we see a lot of fringe guys 
a lot of fourth and fifth starters that have maybe gotten better over the last few years. I think those are the guys that are going to struggle the most. The guys that would be willing to take that chance, get that competitive edge just to stick around or just to make more money by all of a sudden going from being a fifth starter to a third starter or something like that. So talking, it's very easy to see with the elite level guys, the Bowers and the Coles of the world, the, you know, the Tyler males of the world that those are the guys that I'm talking about. The Tyler males of the world, guys that go from being a fifth starter to all of a sudden being a number two or number three guys that all of a sudden crush that platoon advantage. You know, those are guys that probably have increased the spin rates on their fastballs. That's why they're able to have more success in that split. So all kinds of places are talking about this fan graphs, baseball savant, baseball prospectus, blogs, Twitter accounts. Everybody's talking about this because it is very, very important. It is almost like the baseball season has started over again. And when you look at the full season offensive numbers here, 237 average, 312 on base, 396 slugging, 24.1% strikeout rate, 8.9% walk rate. Those are the full season numbers. So in April and May, 236, 312, 393 is the slash line. Batting average on base slugging. 24.2% K percentage, 8.9% walk rate. In June so far, with what we presume to be a crackdown on these substances, 246 average, 314 on base, 418 slugging percentage. So between April and May, going to June, 10-point increase in batting average, 25-point increase in slugging percentage. The strikeout rate down half a percent. The walk rate is down, but maybe hitters being able to attack fastballs a little bit more here in the month of June. So it might be something, it might be nothing, but warmer weather, decreased strikeout percentage, increased BABIP. The BABIP's gone up seven points. Big spike in power. So it looks as though this crackdown has at least had some measure of an impact already. And furthermore, when Major League Baseball actually suspends somebody for this, you know, right now it's just a shot across the bow. You know, right now it's, hey, we're looking for this. If you're doing it, stop doing it. What happens when somebody actually gets suspended for this? And then it's 10 days without pay. And then it's being labeled a cheater, which everybody knows that it's happening, but now you are publicly labeled a cheater. Then what? How much of a wake-up call is that for some of the pitchers that are out there? So I have jokingly said at the top of my daily picks and tips piece that it's the start of a brand new season, but it's not that much of a joke. It's not that tongue-in-cheek. This is now dramatically different. And a lot of this stuff kind of came out on Thursday after I'd already done the show after I'd already done the article and I had some stuff going on this weekend, so I wasn't really able to fully dive in as much as I wanted to. But if you'll allow me a bitch session here, and sometimes the show kind of becomes that because it's my platform and I can do whatever I want with it. It pisses me off to no end that Major League Baseball, which is already the highest variance betting market to begin with, just simply by the nature of the game, has now made yet another fundamental change 
during the middle of the season. Everything that happened in April and May, I don't know what to do with it now. We know the baseball is still different and it won't carry as much. But now guys are probably going to make much higher quality contact as these spin rates decrease, depending on how many of these pitchers actually decide, you know what, I'm going to tone it down a little bit. You know, I'm not going to use the super sticky stuff that stays on the baseball. I'm going to use rosin and sunscreen, stuff that people have used forever. Well, your spin rate probably drops by 100 RPM. So now the season is completely different again. And this from a league that changes the baseball mid-stride. This from a league that didn't even tell teams if there would be a universal DH before spring training got together. This is what happens in Major League Baseball every year, every year. Because Rob Manfred is an empty suit. Because Rob Manfred is in way over his head and doesn't know how to lead Major League Baseball. And look, I can only imagine being a GM or being a player. You know, now all of a sudden, you do this midstream, right? So there are pitchers out there that have maybe been using these substances. They're impending free agents, right? They've pitched well for two months. Now, not using those substances, they're going to get shelled for four months. And then what? Or hitters. Now, all of a sudden, hitters are going to have more of a case when they go to the bargaining table and say, look, look what I did after pitchers stopped cheating. Pay me for that. This is, this is a mess. This is a serious scandal for Major League Baseball. and. The sign-stealing thing and all of that got a ton of run, but this fundamentally changes the game of baseball for virtually everybody. We are talking about a lot of livelihoods uh, impacted by this decision, by this crackdown. And yeah, fine, we can sit there and say pitchers shouldn't have been cheating. They shouldn't have been playing in the gray area or playing outside the rules. You can make that argument. Everybody's been doing it, but to change it in the middle of a season is ridiculous to me. And I've had a hard enough time adjusting to the baseball and all the other different things that factor into betting on baseball, being on the wrong side of variance, so on and so forth. Now it's like starting over again. We've got two months of data points where we don't know how much they matter and how much they don't because we don't know who will stop using these substances. We don't know who will keep using these substances. We don't know whose performance is legit and whose isn't. There are a lot of things now that we don't know and major league baseball changing all of this. The first week of June is just mind blowing to me. How you can do this in the middle of a season and fundamentally change the game boggles my mind. And it happens every year, it feels like, with something that goes on. And like I said, now it's it's just it's up to everybody to adjust, and that includes us as betters again to adjust. 
And my big takeaways, I guess, would be that I think power production goes up and, and probably significantly at that because now all of a sudden you can actually hit fastballs again. And fastballs are the pitch types that guys have the most success with. So I think offense goes up and specifically home runs go up and we're going to see more balls in play because it's going to be easier to make contact. So across the board to me, I expect offense to go up. I am not really interested in playing it under anytime soon. Also, I've lowered my bet amounts because you have to with, with everything that's going on here. So that's another adjustment that I've made here so far. But I just, I, I cannot get over Major League Baseball doing this every year. And it's because they don't have good leadership in place. And so for me, it's remarkably frustrating because this is data that I use. I do use spin rate. I will look at spin rate. I will use spin rate as an injury indicator. I will use spin rate to just assume that teams aren't going to hit a guy because his spin rates are so high. You know, maybe a lot of people don't handicap like that, but I do. And and so it's very, very frustrating to me. But like I said, I think on the whole, you look for a lot more offense. You look for certain teams to be impacted more, the Dodgers, Astros, Reds. You know, a lot of the teams that are, are pretty analytical in nature probably have this problem. You look for individual pitchers to try and fade a little bit, guys to go against. But it's just, it's, demoralizing isn't the word, but it's just, it's so frustrating and annoying that, you know, midstream, again, just have to completely change gears and hope that, you know, these things come to fruition. Hope that, you know, pitchers that are under the microscope either get caught and punished so that we know that it's not an empty threat or, you know, we see in the spin rates that they do things differently. It's, it, it's a major challenge and it's a major shift. It is, you know, you hear people talk about paradigm shifts in different uh, sports, in different areas, all of that. It literally is. I mean, if major league baseball shows some teeth, puts some bark behind that, you know, puts some bite behind that bark, then this is a seminal season for Major League Baseball. This will change everything as we go forward here. And we don't know over the long term. We don't know. But if they actually crack down, if they actually suspend some guys and some name guys at that, that really changes everything. And I'm only talking about starting pitchers here. There are a lot of relievers that use a lot of stuff. You know, guys, because staying in a bullpen is hard to do. You know, if you can prove you can go six innings, you can find a job almost anywhere. Latching onto a bullpen and staying there, that's tough to do. There are a lot of relievers out there that will be substantially impacted by this. You know, those are not guys that have four or five pitch arsenals. Those are guys that throw two pitches, and they rely on that spin. We could see a lot more bullpen blowups, I think, as we go forward, too. So trying to figure all this stuff out on the fly in the middle of a season with all the data points that we already have that are probably irrelevant now, uh, it's, it's frustrating as hell. 
It, it almost makes you not want to bet baseball, to be totally honest with you, because this is the only sport that does this in the middle of a season. It is the only one. You know, it's not like they all of a sudden change the play clock in the middle of a college football season. You know, they don't make the football smaller or they don't change the PSI of the football or something like that. You know, they don't make the rim smaller in basketball. They don't make the rim bigger. They don't change the shot clock. They do all that shit before the season or after the season. They don't do it during the season. So, you know, you're already going up against the VIG. You're already going up against the inherent variance of baseball. And now you go up against this, a fundamental change to the game in the middle of the season. It's, I, as somebody who's a wordsmith by trade between the show and all the writing that I do, it it almost puts you to loss for words or at a minimum, you want to use a lot of four letter words. And, And I've done that in discussions with my friends and, you know, others in the business and all of that. So I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happens with all of this going forward. I can infer certain things. Like I said, I think offense goes up, power goes up, strikeouts go down. Maybe it helps the better offensive teams more, uh, you know, but I, I don't know what decision each individual pitcher will make. So it's tough. It's, it's very, very tough to say the least here, but If you want the notes from the show, skatingtripods at gmail.com. That'll get you on the list for the betters box show notes. Uh, And again, I think it's a very good thing, a very good idea, because as we keep getting more and more pitchers that kind of fall into these groups of decreased spin rates and all of that, I'll be talking about them here on the show. We'll go down the lines now, talk about the line moves that we've seen here dating back to last Thursday's show. So we take a look at Friday here and A good matchup between Max Scherzer and Zach Wheeler. We saw some Nationals money in that one. Nationals money on Saturday as well with Joe Ross and Spencer Howard. I think the market kind of likes the Nationals a little bit. Uh, So we've seen a lot of money on them here in recent games, except for when they played the Braves for the most part. Uh, And I I can't say I argue with it. The Nationals are a much better team than I expected coming into the season here. Friday, we saw some Julio Urias money come in on the Dodgers against the Braves and Ian Anderson. I should have played this one, uh, but, you know, on Friday, I was kind of trying to navigate this news that had come out. I was pretty pissed off about the whole thing, so didn't really handicap the card, but uh, that would have been one on my list. Anytime you get Julio Urias at a cheap price, he's worth it, and the Dodgers did win that one. We saw the Reds' road fade continue on both Friday and Saturday here, uh, to a degree at least where the Reds just on the road, money comes in against them every time at home, money comes in on them mostly every time. So uh, the Reds road fade still very much a strong angle out there in the marketplace. So money come in against the twins and Matt Shoemaker against the Royals and Matt Shoemaker has been terrible this season. Maybe the twins have already taken him out of the rotation. I don't know, but he's been very, very bad to say the least here. Saw some A's money on Friday. That was Frankie Montas going up against the Rockies and John Gray. I actually like John Gray quite a bit, but uh, the market coming in against him there and the A's did win that one. On Saturday, really on Friday and Saturday, we saw money come in on the Pittsburgh Pirates. They got Cabrian Hayes back in the lineup now. And this speaks to a concept I've talked about quite a bit here where the modeling crowd really dictates early line movement. The guys that put all the players in that are in the starting lineup or expected starting lineup and all of that, 
then they spit out their numbers and play them accordingly. Cabrian Hayes is a big part of that Pirates team. He's a very good player, both offensively and defensively. Now that he's back, the Marlins, or the Pirates, excuse me, have taken money a little bit here, and they have been playing a little bit better as well. So that's something you'll want to keep an eye out for as we go forward. Saw some Braves money in Saturday's game. Charlie Morton and Clayton Kershaw there. Clayton Kershaw has had some spin rate increases over the last couple of years, so I would watch him pretty closely as we go forward here. The Blue Jays took money Friday and Saturday against Houston. One of those was a line move against Zach Granke. I think the other one may have been Luis Garcia. Uh, but, you know, Houston, look, you know, Houston's kind of done some things very unscrupulously here over the last few years. They had the sign-stealing scandal. Um, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole with the big spin rate increases. I think an anti-Houston sentiment out there in the marketplace could be a possibility. We'll see because they take on the Boston Red Sox here beginning on Tuesday. Saw Orioles money Friday and Saturday against the Indians. We saw Indians money on Sunday. The market still doesn't like Jorge Lopez. That was the Sunday move. I happen to like Jorge Lopez. Orioles scored a bunch of runs off the Indians in that one. Indians did not play well in this series at all, losing two out of three. Uh, But the Orioles taking some money there. I think perception of the Indians continuing to decrease. Uh, They're one of those overachievers I talked about on Thursday based on base runs and Pythagorean win-loss and third-order win percentage and all of that. So I could see fading the Indians. As long as it's not Shane Bieber, I could see fading the Indians here for the next little while. Saw some Yankees money coming on Saturday. That was Eduardo Rodriguez and Jamison Tyon in that one. Yankees have taken a lot of money lately. They have not paid betters back for it. Tyon's taken a lot of money as well. Uh, The Yankees just not living up to where they should be here, and we saw that continue on Sunday night as well. Money on Saturday for Alex Cobb against uh, Yusei Kikuchi and the Mariners. I agree with the move on Cobb first. And second, a lot of anti-Seattle money out there in the marketplace. As I mentioned on Thursday's show, they are a big overachiever per the alternate standings metrics. So not a big surprise to see a lot of anti-Seattle money out there in the marketplace. And Kikuchi left that start hurt. So the Mariners rotation now, uh, could be missing him for the next little while. On Sunday, I'm a little bit surprised we didn't see a fade of Trevor Bauer with the spin rate discussion that's really dominating the MLB media right now. Uh, Bauer was not great in that start. The Braves did win that game. We'll see if we get a Bauer fade as we go forward here as that fastball spin rate was down quite a bit. Corbin Burns took money against the Diamondbacks on Sunday for the Brewers. Burns has elite spin rates. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, enhanced by substances or not. I don't think so. His spin rate stuck in that start. So he didn't change anything. If he was supposed to, he didn't. So uh, that was an interesting thing there with that game for the Brewers on Sunday. And we saw more anti-Mariners money on Sunday uh, on the Angels there. And we will continue to see that as we go forward. Only three games here on Monday, back and forth money so far on Cubs and Padres. Initial move on San Diego, buyback on Chicago. Both Adbert Alzale and Ryan Weathers are negative regression candidates as far as I'm concerned. Played the over seven and a half. It's sitting eight now. It's tougher to play at eight, but that is the move that we've seen in that game. Total move up from seven to eight with the Cubs and the Padres. We're seeing a lot of Dylan Bundy money today on the Angels against the Royals and Jackson Coar, who's making his Major League debut for Kansas City tonight. 
I think this line has gotten too high. I didn't have the stones to play it when I wrote the article, but I do think it's Royals or nothing at this point in time. Kolar's got a great changeup, a ground ball kind of guy, big 6-5 frame. Bundy is just not commanding his pitches well this season. I may add the Royals here throughout the afternoon. We'll see what that price looks like, but that may be a possibility for me. And the last game here, seeing money come in against Boston. This is a makeup game against Miami. This is a horrific spot for Boston. I don't think we get a full lineup today. I think a couple of guys rest for the Red Sox that aren't in the starting lineup here. But they're off the Yankees sweep. They played Sunday night baseball last night, got back into town late. Now they play Miami in this throwaway makeup game. And then on Tuesday, the Astros are in town. So kind of looking at this as a bit of a fade spot for the Red Sox qualitatively. Uh, You got Pablo Lopez and Nick Pavetta in that one. But with the Astros in town on Tuesday, wouldn't be a big surprise if we don't get a full effort or a full lineup from Boston. So that may be something that you want to think about as we get into tonight's games. Previews for the week ahead, got five of them here, starting with tonight's series, the Cubs and the Padres. Edward Alzale, Ryan Weathers tonight, Zach Davies, Denilson Lamott on Tuesday, Jake Arietta, and Hugh Darvish on Wednesday. Chance at some offense in this series, I would think. As I said about the Padres, Second in number of batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour, 30th in batting average. So the Padres should be having much better fortunes based on their contact quality. It's not happening for them though. So we'll see what happens here in this series. Wednesday, you Darvish. I talked about his big spin rate bump earlier on in the show. Well, in his June 3rd start after that memo went out, he had his second highest fastball spin rate of the season. So He didn't change anything. We'll see what happens here on Wednesday, but God knows I would have no interest in betting Jake Arrieta. So an overlook tonight, maybe an overlook tomorrow, and then we'll see about Wednesday with that Arrieta and Darvish matchup. Astros and the Red Sox here. Boston losing that off day on Monday. They don't have an off day till June 17th. So keep an eye on the Red Sox here as we go forward, playing some good teams and also now not really getting days off. That could tire out a bullpen pretty quickly. Framber Valdez, Martin Perez on Tuesday. Jake Odorizzi, Nate Yavaldi Wednesday. Zach Greinke, Eduardo Rodriguez on Thursday. Something I think will be really interesting about this series is that we know how Boston fans can be. We know they can be pretty relentless, pretty vocal. This will be a very hostile environment for Houston. We saw one at Yankee Stadium. I think we see one here as well. Uh, The Astros did take three of four from Boston last week. Won the first three games by a combined score of 18 to four. Red Sox salvaged the finale. That was Martin Perez. We had him in that one. But we'll see what Boston does here back at home. What are the top home offenses? And also, too, I wonder if we see some decreases in the spin rates for the Astros because they do appear to be one of the teams that you know, has probably taken the most advantage of these substances. So we'll have to watch for that with the Astros here as we go forward. But interesting series. Not sure how many bets I'll have in this series, but still running back that series from Minute Maid last week. Yankees and the Twins, two very disappointing teams here. Uh, The Natives are restless in New York. They're calling for Aaron Boone's head. He really hasn't shown a whole lot of emotion here this week as the Yankees have kind of struggled and have had some things not go their way. Jordan Montgomery, Michael Pineda, Tuesday. Garrett Cole, Randy Dobnak, Wednesday. To be determined, and Jay Happ coming up here on Thursday. 
We're going to see some over money on Wednesday, I think. Cole coming off of a bad start with the decreased spin rates. Dobnak has not pitched or located well for the Twins so far. Uh, so I think that may be an overlook for some people on Wednesday there. The pitching matchups do seem a bit better for the Yankees, but Jay Happ has thrown the ball well. Yankees with to be determined there on Thursday. Lots of questions both ways in this series. Not sure I want to bet on either team right now, uh, but both of them are positive regression candidates. So we'll see how the market handles that one. The Blue Jays and the White Sox here. Good series on the south side. Robbie Ray, Carlos Rodon on Tuesday. Alec Manoa, Lance Lynn on Wednesday. Hunjin Ryu and Dallas Keuchel on Thursday. White Sox getting a couple of lefties here in Ray and Ryu. If the price isn't too bad on Tuesday, I will take Chicago in that game. Rodon against Ray. Ray throwing a lot of fastballs, getting away with a lot of hard contact. Not sure he does that against the White Sox here in this series. So like Chicago on Tuesday night, hoping for something in the minus 145, minus 155, maybe as high as minus 160 range. Wouldn't want to go higher than that. Would like it to be lower. Don't think it's going to be. But I do think Tuesday looks good for the White Sox. Rest of the series kind of interesting. Manoa was great in his debut Not as great in his second start. Lance Lynn's pitched very well, but he's a negative regression candidate. So interesting series. I may actually have some plays in this one. It's warmer in the Midwest now, so that should lead to a little bit more offense. The Blue Jays hit for a lot of power. The White Sox don't, but they put a lot of balls in play. Contrasting offensive styles here should make for a really fun and interesting series. Lastly, the Mariners and the Tigers. As I said A lot of anti-Mariners sentiment out there in the betting markets. So keep an eye out for that, where the Tigers are going to be an uncomfortably large favorite in some of these games here. Marco Gonzalez, Matt Boyd, Tuesday. Chris Flexen, Casey Mize, Wednesday. Justice Sheffield and to be determined on Thursday. Spencer Turnbull, unfortunately, out. Uh, He'll probably be out for a little while with a forearm strain. Uh, Probably a full bullpen day on Thursday for the Tigers because Matt Manning, and Bo Burrows not pitching well in AAA. But I would expect Tigers money on both Tuesday and Wednesday here. So that'll be something for you to watch. The Mariners are a decent road offense. They hit a lot of fly balls. You can hit doubles and triples at Comerica Park. So maybe a little bit of a higher scoring series is a possibility. Maybe a higher scoring game on Tuesday. Uh, Casey Mize, an extreme ground ball guy on Wednesday. So I think I like the Tigers a little bit more on Wednesday than I do on Tuesday, but that will be probably a pretty decent-sized number with Mize and Flexen in that one. Once again, skatingtripods at gmail.com for the notes for the betters box. So I encourage you to get on that email list because a lot of spin rate stuff will come your way over the next little while here. Uh, as I said, on Tuesday, Brian Blessing will join me. We'll talk some golf, we'll talk some hockey, lots of stuff on the show with him. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.